Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It's the 27th of February, 2022. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Phase Radio. Thank you, Paul Perot. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Not, <laughs> not like you're fourth in line, really, but, you know, seems like the right. Well, thank no, you. No, it was I right needed a, it's, it's good. Don't yeah, worry. I'm, I'm so okay good. It. I needed a week off. You all gave it to me. I so appreciate it. Paul did such an admirable job doing his job and my job. And also thank you to uh, Ryan Mitchell for, uh, you know, you doing Paul's job. You better thank him. He so, worked hard. Yeah. So Paul could do my job. There you yeah, go. There you go. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, The skiing in Breckenridge was great. We did not um, have any challenges related to the weather because, you know, we were doing a weather-related activity that, you know, snow was good for. I know there are many, many of you uh, not celebrating so much snow today and snowed in and many people without power. um, And so just know that the prayers of many are arising, including mine, that you would be um, safe and warm and that those who are seeking to restore power in so many places across the United States would um, would be enabled to do that. Let's uh, let's let's start where we um, where we must begin and where we should begin every single day. And that is in the word of God. So where in the word are you today? Encouraging you to be in the word of God, that the word of God might find its way into you and take deep root and that you would operate out of the word of God as you interact uh, in worldly affairs every single day. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, or in other places, thus saith the Lord. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, or thus saith the Lord. So let's talk for a moment about revenge versus forgiveness, because that's really the choice being set before us here. Um, Revenge versus forgiveness, or vengeance versus forgiveness, or um, a bitter root versus forgiveness. That's really the choice that we're making. And so choosing forgiveness, choosing to forgive Ooh, here's a thought. Choosing to forgive as we have been forgiven. I mean, that's not denying the hurt. That's not excusing the wrongdoing. That is choosing forgiveness. Forgiveness from a godly perspective um, does not deny the wrong done. It does not excuse the wrongdoing. Um, But it does answer it. It answers it with God's holiness. Choosing forgiveness is actually to, like, put the hurt or to put the wrongdoing right where it belongs, at the foot of the cross, where Jesus can take it, where God can deal with it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That comes from Deuteronomy 32, 35. And um, it's actually quoted by the Apostle Paul 
when he is teaching new Christians in Rome how to live. So in Romans 12, 17 to 19, we read this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, who has written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. So Paul there in Romans 12 is quoting uh, Deuteronomy 32, 35. And if you say to yourself, okay, well, that's that's all well and good, you know, <clears throat> all the Bible speak. Uh, what, you know, what do like contemporary psychologists have to say? Well, psychology today has actually has actually featured this topic of forgiveness and the power of forgiveness as this paradigm shifting power to transform anger a number of times over the years. I mean, if you were just to, to Google it, you'd be astonished how um, well, maybe you wouldn't be astonished because, right, science and reason eventually arrives at what the Bible says. It just sometimes takes them a while. But on this matter of forgiveness, the research is in. Um, and Psychology Today talks about it this way. Liberating the one who chooses to forgive from the trap of the one who has, they don't say sinned against us, but that's the language I'll insert here. That's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness has this paradigm shifting power to transform anger and actually liberate us liberating the person who chooses to forgive from the trap of unforgiveness. It doesn't matter if the person who has offended you intended to offend you or not. Forgiveness is empowering regardless of the offender's intent. Now, we have discussed this topic at length on prior occasions with Dr. Linda Mental and others. Forgiveness has significant mental and health, mental and health benefits where revenge or Harboring unforgiveness, which forms that root of bitterness that grows into that thorny hedge around our hearts and minds, like that has notable detrimental effects on our spirits, our minds, our health, and all of our relationships. Yes, including our relationship with God. All of our relationships are affected when we fail to forgive, including our relationship with God, who has already in Christ Jesus forgiven us. Consider what Jesus teach us, teaches us when he uh, gives us the Lord's Prayer. You can find that in Matthew chapter 6. You know, part of that is Jesus um, instructing us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The next two verses really matter. Matthew six fourteen and 15. So after Jesus has instructed them how to pray, he could have amplified any, any, word or phrase or part of the prayer, which part does he choose to amplify? Maybe the part he knows is going to be the hardest for us. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Right after teaching us the Lord's Prayer or how to pray, Jesus then says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Like forgiveness is a big deal. So is revenge. So is revenge. So coming full circle, Leviticus 19.18 is our Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Thus saith the Lord. We're going to consider here in just a moment who is our neighbor and what it means to be neighbor in the midst of war. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Okay, okay. I got to deal with one um, one pending item. I'm so, <laughs> so many of you are asking about Millie. So uh, the day that I departed, I shared with you in the Friday Farm Report that Millie was missing. Um, and then I was gone for a whole week. And so I'm so sorry that you have... You have been concerned yourself with my dog for a week. Um, she was locked in the barn. On that particular occasion, she was locked in the barn. And so easily found, right, <clears throat> later in the morning, um, discovered her there and let her out. And, you know, she was delighted. But over this past weekend, she was, quote, unquote, lost again. She disappeared again. And we couldn't find her anywhere on our property and or on our street. And um, and then she showed back up. I mean, when I say covered in mud, Millie is 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 a small Smallish white dog with black spots, black ears. But let me let me say that when she showed back up, I mean, tip of nose to tip of toes and tip of tail covered in mud. So what I suspect happened is she's running along the bank of the river, which is actually like a bluff. It's I mean our our property uh, is adjacent to the river, but most of the time the river is twenty or more feet down a bluff from our property line. I mean, unless it's a big flood, which it wasn't. Sort of. But it was rushing. The water was rushing. It just wasn't very high. And I think she was running along the edge of the river and fell in. And, of course, then got swept down the river some distance and eventually made her way back out and and back home. But, I mean, when I say exhausted and covered with mud, yeah, Millie today, exhausted and covered with mud. But home and safe. So thank you so much for all of your concern related to uh, related to Millie. I know. Look at all of your happy, joyful, smiley faces um, offered on the text line. You too can text me, 877-933-2484. Um, all right, now on to the topic of being being loving neighbor when we are literally at war. Loving neighbor when we have, uh, when we're literally at war. And I want us to um, give a little attention here just for a moment to what is happening between two neighbors in uh, half a world away, or what feels like half a world away, but you know it's a small world small world. Ukraine and Russia. I mean, we're now a year into this war. Um, And the the United States is now sending another $10 billion. uh, That's with a B, uh, including uh, $250 million for Ukraine's energy infrastructure, which has been decimated by their neighbor, Russia. Once delivered, this $10 billion will boost um, America's total aid to Ukraine, I think this is neighborly, right? $87.5 billion. That will be um, how far we are as the United States of America or as American taxpayers into um, supplying for the needs of our neighbors in Ukraine. And you say, I'm just not sure Ukraine is my neighbor, which gets us to the question of who is my neighbor, which is a question that Jesus is directly asked. Um. This, you know, in the spirit of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule, in the spirit of the first and greatest commandment, which is to love God. And then Jesus very quickly says, um, the second is equal unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, which provokes the one asking the question, um, who is my neighbor? Now, Jesus answers that with the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I certainly commend to your consideration uh, today and your reading. Um, who, who is the neighbor? In that story, well, it's the one who shows mercy. That's it. That's that's what qualifies. It doesn't matter where the person is from. It doesn't matter who has sinned against them that has landed them in their particular ditch. Uh, 
the neighbor is the one who shows mercy. The neighbor is the one who shows mercy. And so what is the limit of mercy? I think that's going to be the question we're going to eventually have to ask ourselves. Where does mercy end? And if the mercy of God never ends, then those of us who are God's people, our mercy shall never end either. And we say, well, that might bankrupt us. Mm -hmm. It sure well might. And then we would be the ones in the ditch. And then we would be relying on neighbor to help us. Um, I don't see another way as Christians to evaluate the question. When someone is in need, we help. When somebody is in a ditch, when another nation is in a ditch, we help. We do all we can for as long as we can, for as many as we can, for all the good to the glory of God. Um, Now, as Christians, how do we view developments such as China being the one who's going to propose a peace plan or China being the one who may provide lethal equipment to their neighbor, Russia? Um, Well, as Christians, I think that we... First of all, do not look away. Do not grow weary of, of considering the plight of people halfway around the world. God holds the people and the war being waged in full view. God sees, God knows, God cares, and God's evaluating us in our response. And so let us take it seriously. But then let us also set our hope on things above. Let us live with confidence in the promises of God. Let us be sober-minded. Let us be gospel-focused. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. Let us live with a joy that is unassailable. If you haven't read it recently, reread, um, you know, the, the the first chapter of First Peter and into chapter two. Um, don't don't miss the unassailable nature of our joy, even in the midst of suffering. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're going to just continue conversations amongst ourselves here for just a moment this morning. We're going to talk about the historic weather across the country. So I'd love for you to check in with me on the text line and tell me what the weather's like where you are. Like, what are you dealing with today? You can text me at 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I love my neighbors, my neighbors. You Good morning, Nolvia. Nolvia, that's a cute name. Nolvia says, uh, glad to know you had a much-needed break. Thank you, Nolvia. Uh, Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, wants to know how a person like me from Florida um, came to ski. Uh, I only ski because I love one who loves to ski. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is the long and the short of it. Fran says, come visit Sarasota. I imagine that the weather in Sarasota is quite... Oh, look at that. Yes, she's even posted a screenshot of the weather in Sarasota. Thank you so much. Good morning, Sarasota. Uh, Becky says, lots of snow. Um, Many of you are saying freezing rain and snow, 24 degrees 
calm uh, now at Union Lake. Finally shoveled out after 13 plus inches, says Anne. Jenny says raining and lightning in Wisconsin. Uh, this friend, um, let's see, in the 651 area code, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at that. You should put your, if you put your name, then I'll know forever who you are and where you're from. 651, that's a mystery to me. All right, I'm just going to go with it. 651, it's dark, cold, raining, and dreary. I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay, blizzard. Uh, yes, blizzard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-oh, somebody has worried for a week about uh, Millie. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. You you all delight my heart that you care about my dog and my welfare and my family. I uh, I do the same. So thank you so much. You guys can keep checking in with me, um, lifting up these uh, weather concerns. <clears throat> and you can list up, lift up concerns other than the weather, like, right? So uh, I love to pray for you. And so if you have a prayer concern that I could lift up today, um, that would delight my heart as well. Um, I just, I, I love being back with you and Appreciate our fellowship, and so uh, thank you so much. Again, the text line number eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. So, if you're in California, we haven't heard uh, from friends in California this morning, but if you're out there, boy, we'd love to know uh, an update. What's happening? So, uh, snow, um, record rains, flooding. So if you've ever been to Arizona or Southern California, you know that there are these places where you know it. it, it there's an overpass that provides for a river crossing, but it's always just this dry ditch. I mean, and, and sometimes very, very wide. The um, The Los Angeles River has not actually had water in it for a long, long time. And it is today a raging, gushing river. Um, so those are some uh, pretty profound images to see. Harsh weather expected this week as well. Um, I recognize that, you know, when we talk about California receiving record uh, r- record rain, um, also they, you know, rare snow. Um, and I certainly know that there are something like 80 million Americans currently under a uh, wind and winter weather alert even now. So this is a storm system that is now recharged and headed across uh, the central United States, um, Tornadoes in Oklahoma um, and Kansas yesterday uh, and overnight, um, nine western states under winter weather alerts again today, expecting heavy, heavy snowfall across the region. Um, and, and so weather prayers, weather prayers today. And we've talked about this before. Um, you know, what does it mean to pray a weather prayer? And, and it does mean that we put our confidence in God. Um, we recognize God's the one uh, who rebukes the wind and hushes the sea. I think about what Jesus does in Mark chapter 4 when his disciples are so so afraid. God is the one who gives rain to the earth and makes the grass grow upon the mountains. God is the one who influences the weather. Um, and um, And so maybe instead of allowing the weather to be something that, I don't know, we live in an inordinate fear of, let us um, turn to the one who created it, controls it, and today can intervene. Um, and so let's pray for calm in the midst of storm. Um, and whether it rains or snows or the sun shines or whether or not the wind blows, whether or not, let us be people who turn our um, attention, our hearts, our prayers 
to the Lord our God and let us find our rest in him. Why are you afraid is what Jesus says to his disciples. Remember, he's asleep in the boat in the midst of the storm. Why are you afraid? Like you're with me. Why are you afraid? And so even in the midst of storms, whether um, whether or not it's storming outside, let's be people of peace on the inside because we are with the Lord, come what may. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. This is amazing Uh, Nolvia says on the text line, uh, it feels like summer in Auburn, Alabama. Yeah, Nolvia, that's because um, you and I are on like the weird side of this particular um, line of weather. I, I too am living in a place right now. I come to you from Nashville, Tennessee, and um, the daffodils are absolutely resplendent. And the ground is soggy and wet. And yes, it is weird and feels a little bit summery outside. Um, Yeah, I'm not quite ready for that. Uh, Deborah says, good morning, Carmen. I was reading in Galatians and all of a sudden a flash of light filled my room and then a huge clap of thunder came along with a downpour in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, And we still have snow on the ground. Deborah, I'm praying for you and others this morning. Here's what thrills my heart. I'm just thrilled to know that you're in the word of God. Just I'm thrilled to know that This morning, you have opened the word of God and that you're spending time with the Lord. There's no no better way, no better way to spend the time of our life. Um, All right. I'm probably supposed to be doing something here because, you know, I've lost track of where I am. Daniel Bennett is going to join us in just a minute. Um, We're going to talk about, um, quote unquote, Christian patriots. What does that mean? What does it mean um, to actually like physically move from one place to another? Because not only uh, does your faith motivate you, but because your politics are motivate, motivating you as well. Like historically, we might have called this um, uh, the big sort. That might be language you're familiar with um, from a number of years ago, a book on the big sort and how people have self-sorted across the country into communities of like-mindedness. It's what results in um, very red and very blue pockets, particularly when we talk about um, congressional districts. And people are actually like physically moving in the United States of America now based on their politics. And yes, maybe also slightly on their religion. And we're going to talk about that next with Daniel Bennett. Would you sell your house and move to another state in order to live with people who are like-minded? And then what effect does that have in terms of our conversations with one another if we're not in proximity with those with whom we disagree? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Well, joining us now, Dr. Daniel Bennett from John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship blog. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Carmen. All right. We have uh, been doing a little weather reporting from uh, across the uh, listening area this morning. And so we got people checking in from all over. Um, And so we need a little weather report where you are. So where are you and what's the weather like? I am in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. 
about a mile east of the Oklahoma border in northwest Arkansas, and the skies are clear. Should be in the mid, upper 60s today. A little windy after some storms last night, but it's looking to be a good day. All right. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, here's a report this morning from Duluth. The weather in Duluth has been delightful the entire snow season. There you go. Many mountains uh, between street and little mini mountains between streets and sidewalks. Shopping center parking lots are like entire mountain ranges, but in miniature. There you go. See, they love it. They love it. Yeah. Uh, Lake Superior is striking. Deep, deep blue contrasted by snow covered ice forever. Ephemeral. Praise the Lord. See, Vance has a perspective on the winter beauty that he beholds. Thank you, Vance, for that testimony um, there on the text line. Hey, if you want to check in with me, 877-933-2484. Daniel, people are moving like physically, like they're they're uprooting themselves and they're moving from parts of the country to specifically one other part of the country or other parts of the country. Tell us what what's happening. Um, Yeah. What what is happening and why are people on the move? So uh, over the weekend or the past uh, few days, there's been some reporting on uh, folks moving into the, I would say, the eastern Pacific Northwest, whether it's eastern Washington, eastern Oregon, Idaho, especially. Uh, And I think they're considering themselves almost refugees from places like California, places like areas where I grew up in the Willamette Valley in in Oregon. Uh, These are folks who are culturally very conservative, uh, strongly identifying as Christian, and they're finding this environment, especially in in, in Idaho and northern Idaho, as more uh, welcoming to their points of view and to their their lifestyle. So there's some good reporting in the Washington Post and Religion News Service about this. Um, And this isn't the first time, right? People have you know, said, I'm done, I want to move somewhere else. We see this every every year as populations change. We're seeing growth in populations in states like Florida and uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, uh, declining populations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and the Northeast in general. Um, but the fact that there is such a religious element to this, a spiritual element, uh, is really fascinating. Yeah, and so, I don't know, this feels, here's my, here's my conflict. <clears throat> Um, because this actually happens right where I live, but it's more like, oh, I got to get out of the city or a particular mm-hmm. county and I got to mm-hmm. move two counties south or one county west or whatever, because, you know, I got to be with people who think more like me and I want my kids. This a lot of it is motivated by education, by the way, where I mm-hmm. live. Like, mm-hmm. I got to get where the school district is not as cray cray as maybe I feel like it is in this blue dominated county. Um, yeah. Here's my concern as a Christian. First of all, I'm all for parents making whatever decisions uh, are necessary for the like righteous education of their children. So um, I, I get that. But I'm also concerned about sort of abandoning the mission field. Yeah, like if no, you're, I think if absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. mean, I, 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 I am, I'm concerned that if all the Christians move out of the darkness to places that are, you know, already well lit, um, then we sort of abandon our post. I felt like that uh, coming from a, uh, you know, several public universities to teach at a Christian university. Uh, uh, not to say that where I taught were, you know, places of darkness necessarily. 
Uh, but you're you're trading one environment for service to the kingdom for another, right? So when I'm uh, when I'm teaching in public state universities uh, that aren't necessarily overtly hostile to Christianity and the gospel, uh, I lose that opportunity to uh, meet with students and uh, invest in students and be maybe a resource for students who are Christians themselves who you know want to see that type of mentoring but in a in that kind of a they might not find it in those other contexts but i'm trading it for a space where i can you know disciple pour into invest in students who share that foundation so there's trade-offs with this stuff and i do think it's not only i mean i think it's interesting you're looking at it from a missional perspective and i think that's right I tend to look at it first and foremost from a political perspective and the geographic polarization that we're experiencing in this country, where this rural and urban divide that we're seeing in terms of our politics, our cultural affiliations and interests has really never been wider. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think these are, I think the missional component is probably of utmost importance, but from a maybe more temporal, practical perspective, this is really, really concerning. So um, as I read this, um, and hey, if you're interested in reading what Daniel and I are both reading, I'm going to you know, drop it in, yeah. the, uh, in the show notes today. Um, so you can get that at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you download Mornings with Carmen as a podcast. Um, this made me think of Rod Dreher and the Benedict Option. And maybe, I mean, I think the book came out like five years ago or something, uh, maybe six now. And it, it got me thinking, hey, maybe it's like, he got those conversations started about Christians sort of moving to places where they could live in a way sort of insulated from the culture, um, where they could embrace this more ancient Christian way of life in intentional community with other Christians. Um, and maybe it's just sort of taken this long for that to be realized, for for evidence of that movement to manifest itself in ways that the secular media is now taking note. I think that's partially true. Uh, the, one of the ways that I read uh, Rod's book was to invest heavily in your, in your local communities, particularly Christian institutions and spaces in those communities. So one of the things he would talk about was, and this is going to be more doable for some than others, but live in an area or live in a live in a home where you can walk to your church or get to your church mm. in about five or 10 minutes if you have to. Right. So that you're really cultivating this local semblance of community. And I think you can do that anywhere. Right. I think you can do that in a big city. Uh, I think you can be, a sh- you know, <laughs> a light in an otherwise dark place and still build and invest in those institutions. I think it might be harder in some environments than others. Um, but you might be right. You know, I think I think Rod, uh, and, you know, he has his critics out there, uh, but I think he had his finger on something when he's talking about this need to invest and grow uh, our insular communities rather than being so ultimately outward focused, especially on political and especially national political concerns. I think we lose that sense of the local, the familiar. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. I feel like we could do a whole show on this. No, no doubt. And I think that a part of that conversation might be, okay, as we look at the numbers, like the sheer numbers of churches across the country, physical buildings, facilities in in places large and small, 
but increasingly in rural America that are going to be shuttered in the next decade. Something like a hundred thousand of them with, I mean, within just the next few years, um, you know, what might it look like for even a small group of Christians to move to a place intentionally together and say, we're going to make a vibrant stand right here. Um, this, you know, we're going to, this is where we are going to invest. We're going to put down deep roots. We're going to flourish together. Um, and we're going to be committed to this community flourishing as well. Um, Daniel, Jim and I just, uh, did a, it was, it was a, it was a strange circuitous route from Nashville to Breckenridge because we actually went via Boulder Junction, Wisconsin, which is in fact not on the way. Um, but we needed to see a friend before he departs this world and goes to be with the Lord, which is it's, it's imminent. It's going to happen soon. But that meant that we drove from Nashville to Boulder Junction, Wisconsin, and then from there to Breckenridge. And let me just tell you that from northern Wisconsin to Breckenridge, Colorado, there's a lot of empty space. I mean, a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and by the way, Nebraska, if you're listening, you smell bad. Like your whole state, you smell bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm so thankful for beef and that market, but man, that whole state smells bad. Anyway, a lot of land. And right. then coming home from Breckenridge to Nashville, right, we come across other huge swaths of America that are, you know, not densely populated, not at all. And so I say to myself, I'm, first of all, I'm in, I'm, I'm now having a renewed love for both farmers and mm. truckers. These are my two, mm. like I have this deep affection today for farmers and truckers because this is who I feel like I've spent the last week with. And um, uh, and there are places, particularly on the southern route, there's a lot of land for sale on that northern route, but on the southern route, they're giving land away. There are these big signs that say, free land, we need you. Like there are farming mm. communities across America that need people. And I'm thinking, yep. That's not a bad idea for some people living in places where they feel like I can't escape the the sort of spirit of the age. Yeah, no, I think there's lots of opportunities for that. Um, and I do think that a lot of it is is a creative, uh, maybe perspective adjustment. So if you do live in a bigger area or even a town where you feel you're just kind of drifting, kind of wayward, you know, seek out those communities, seek out Mm -hmm. people that not necessarily who agree with you on cultural issues, political issues, but on those deeply rooted, foundational, timeless truths and form communities with them. Not because you're going to agree on everything in the world or, you know, even within Christianity, right? Essentials versus non-essentials, but seek out those opportunities for planting deep roots and build. And that, that takes work. That takes years. But we got to get started. Yeah. Amen. All right. Um, let's, um, let's have another conversation when we come back. And it's going to be about community, right? So we're going to talk about community, not political advocacy, when it comes to our, um, our religious expression, our intentional Christian living? Like, what does it look like to cultivate real community and not political advocacy as Christians in the world today? That's up next. We're talking with Daniel Bennett from John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship blog. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and this is Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. And the call is to community, the impoverished power. That sets the soul free. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Daniel Bennett from John Brown University 
and the Uneasy Citizenship blog. Um, Daniel, let's talk about this piece posted at realclearpolicy.com. Again, uh, all the links will be in the show notes today. Community, not political advocacy, is what religious leaders encourage. Um, what, what, what are they talking about here? So drawing on a number of recent studies, including one from a group uh, called Neighborly Faith, uh, that interviewed a bunch of young young Christians and young religious Americans. This idea that uh, despite what we hear in prevailing narratives in the media and in our culture, religious leaders generally tend to focus on developing and promoting communities in in their areas rather than focusing solely on and in response to the political, the partisan issues of the day. And I think this piece from, and this, uh, I believe it's Sam Abrams who wrote this. He's a fellow at AEI, professor at Sarah Lawrence College, I believe, really thoughtful uh, scholar on conservatism and this community and religion in America. And I think the point of this is to try to dispel some of those myths, but also to point to the value that community plays in fostering a national, <laughs> the, the strength of our nation, I should say. Um, I'll encourage your readers. Yuval Levin from AEI is a great writer on these kinds of things. A Time to Build uh, Institutions is one of his more recent books. Time to Build is the title. Um, and so it's trying to reorient the conversation away from the, the fiery partisan political issues of our day and focus more towards developing and the importance of developing communities uh, in, our, in our midst. So when we talk about, um, first of all, we love Neighborly Faith. We love Kevin Singer. He's been here on the show. We know we love Yuval uh, Levin as well. Um, what what great um, people to be following and listening to and collaborating with. I think that's one of the things I love about you, um, Daniel. You're you're bringing forward voices that um, we should be listening to. People we can trust um, to you know have positive conversations with and among. What if, um, you know, what if you're in a church that, you know, you're committed to because it is your local, it is the local expression of the church that for whatever reason, like God has you planted in, but it, it is, it does feel more political than it does community. Like, how do you navigate that as an individual believer or a family? Well, I mean, that's difficult, right? Uh, Particularly maybe in larger churches where, you, those relationships uh, with your members in the pews or your pastor aren't, maybe you'd want them to be a little bit stronger, but they're not quite there. Uh, I think the first step has to be communication. This kind of stuff can't, you know, fester. Uh, so if you are feeling that way, I think sitting down with a pastor and not complaining, not whining, but saying, look, I'm feeling really torn about this, right? We're committed to this church. We love, we love this community, but man, we feel like it's it's drifting or it's uh, it's alienating folks in the congregation who who might not feel the same way as the majority. Sometimes the pastors might not know this. Right. Sometimes the pastors might not might not glimpse this. There might be blind spots here. And so that's important. Um, seeing opportunities to hold you know, fellowship groups or small groups with with people in different stages of life. And, you know, you can talk about cultural issues. I think groups like Redeeming Babel are putting out some pretty good small group curriculum on on different topics and subjects uh, for folks. Um, But really cultivating and identifying differences or uh, similar or cultivating areas on agreement uh, on the essentials 
so that when there are things that come up on disagreements, uh, on political issues, there'll be a foundation on which you can discuss those things freely and with charity and grace. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, I think I said this in the last segment, so much of this takes so much time and it takes it takes a long time to cultivate these communities. But that's why it's important to start now. I think the unity, uh, the unity in essentials, like right, and cultivating areas of agreement on those essentials, that then provides the stability for us to allow for really wide diversity um, yeah. on things that are not essential. And yeah. uh, and I think that you know I, we're not good at that. We're we're not good at spending the time. I mean, we ought to treat it like gardening, right? I mean, you know, we, we ought to treat it like more like gardening. Um, do I treat my relationships with my fellow Christians, particularly those at church, like those people with whom I am in a body of believers? Do I treat it like gardening? Like, am I cultivating it? Am I praying over it? Am I seeding it? Am I, you know, asking God to water it and have his son, you know, shine upon it? Am I tending it? Am I pruning? Like, am I, am I inspecting the fruit? Like, am I submitting myself to a fruit inspection by others? And am I, you know, like serving in that way in relationship with one another? I think that like social media is probably the easiest place for me to do that. I can, mm. I can like see and hear what my brothers and sisters in Christ uh, are saying, how they're presenting themselves on social media. And then I could direct message them and say, Hey, I'm, I just read that, and as your you know sister in Christ who sits two two pews away from you, I, I that cuts me to the heart. Like I'm really hurt, or I'm concerned about that witness, or like I don't want to do it publicly on Twitter or Facebook yeah. or whatever. But to reach out privately and hold one another appropriately accountable, like it matters. That public mm. witness by my brother or sister in Christ, like matters to the witness of my church. And it's important, and this is maybe the harder part. I mean, that's difficult, but getting those same messages or getting those same, uh, getting that same type of feedback from your brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. if you have blinders on mm -hmm. and, you know, you hear something from someone to say, hey, I'd love to talk more about this. This is difficult for me. It's really hard to find humility in those mm -hmm. moments because we're prone to to pride and self-preservation. And I know this, right, as, as someone who teaches and I have, you know, strong views on things. It's difficult to, difficult to be confronted, right? But that's why the context in which we do it matters a lot. Um, going back to your idea of cultivating and gardening and, and taking the necessary work that goes into this, I talk to my students all the time about what a blessing it is to have uh, – a for lack of a better word religious marketplace in the united states where there is freedom of religion real freedom of religion to flourish and thrive and grow one of the downsides of this and this is you know unavoidable or inescapable is that there are so many options for religious community in our in our uh, in our towns and our cities and our states that if we don't like one thing about the church that we're supposedly invested in we can we can go somewhere else Mm -hmm. it's really easy for us to say, oh, I don't like the pastor's message on X that rubbed me the wrong way. We're moving. Um, I don't like the church's view on this one thing that it might be non-essential, but it kind of, it, it affects me pretty greatly. I'm just, we're just going to move. 
And I know most of your listeners are, I'm pretty confident most of your listeners know people who have been through that, or maybe they themselves have been through this. So it is so hard to have those conversations, you know, like you're talking about where you reach out to people. It's so much easier to just move on. But I think for the sake of growing our communities, kind of connecting this segment back to the previous one, about building these communities, I think we have to be willing to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that there are people listening and myself included, and we're just like, okay, that takes time, which you've already noted. Um, But God has given us this time, like this is our time. And so there's enough time in God's economy for us to do here and now what we are called and sent to do. And so I don't want you, if you're listening right now, to say, oh, Daniel and Carmen are calling us to do something like more and difficult. Um, (laughs) It might be a reordering of current priorities. It might also be just inviting people into uh, what you are already doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, like the life on life power of discipleship. It might be as simple as inviting other people into what you're already doing. It might not be you doing anything else. It might just be you doing what you're doing with someone else. So that may reminds me of Kara Powell and all the conversations we've had about the power of withing um, in terms of discipleship. Daniel, um, we got to leave it right there. Uh, we, we love talking with you. Thank you so much um, for being with us today. I, I just ordered because I heard it talked about on another program, not a Christian radio show, um, but the book Adrift by Scott Galloway. And it mm. came out last September and I didn't read it. And so I have ordered it. And I'm wondering if I could get you to um, maybe consider it as well. Um, so we can talk about it. It's apparently an assessment of where we are in the United States of America in a hundred charts. And as a person who feels like we use a lot of words and not necessarily a lot of charts, um, I thought that approach uh, to a conversation at some point might be interesting as well. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, have a great day. That's Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University, the Uneasy Citizenship blog. You can find him on Twitter at Daniel R. Ben with two N's or, you know, frequently right here on Mornings with Carmen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I, uh, oh, see, now Sweet Paul has told me that I have now run over my clock on this first day back. Paul, that's because I don't have a clock up, but I'm putting one up now, and I see how close I am to the allotted time for the hour. Um, All right, so, hey, welcome back to me. Welcome to each and every one of you. Thank you for all of the texts on the text line today. Uh, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. You can keep texting me, 877-933-2484. I will get back on my um, <clears throat> on on my right um, time frame here on my first day back. Again, thank you so much to Paul Perot and Ryan Mitchell for running the show um, so ably in my absence. And thank you to each one of you for sticking with us here on Mornings with Carmen at My Faith Radio. Um, you can check out what we're doing at MyFaithRadio.com. And you should be getting the show notes every day so you can get the links to what we're talking about and who we're talking with. We got another hour up next.